Very good morning to one and all. Uh, I'm so glad you're with us as you uh, join us on this live stream service. Um, there's a lot of feedback here. Maybe you bring the house down overall. Yeah, Ken, thanks. Let's uh, open with a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts to um, hear God's word. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for a chance to gather as your people. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us a witness through your word, a witness to the saving work of your Son. And thank you that as we open your word, that, Lord, it will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, it seems like uh, we are in the midst of a never-ending pandemic. We're, of course, in the third week of uh, the Phase 2 heightened alert, uh, P2HA, <laughs> if you want to shorten it, as Singaporeans love to do. And uh, I've discovered something, you know, please don't talk about travel bubbles, because every time they talk about travel bubbles, suddenly something happens. It seems like uh, I saw in the news they are talking about travel bubbles with South Korea, so I'm not sure what that means. But uh, this pandemic, I think, is, is um, in some ways for many of us, it's a nuisance more than anything else, because it's academic, having to wear masks, you know, not being able to eat out, and uh, not having all kinds of things. But there are others who are deeply affected, not just those who may have been infected themselves and are, are uh, struggling, not large numbers in Singapore, but certainly around the globe. And this is a serious uh, matter. But beyond that, the economic effects are being felt. And there's so many things about this pandemic that could discourage us. But if you stop and think about it, life has a lot of things that comes against us that discourage us whether it be our health or our wealth or lack thereof or our relationships, they bring us down, they cause us to lose heart. And so I want us to focus in and hone in on the reading this morning, which we had to correct midstream, sorry about that. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, in particular, this verse, Paul tells the Corinthian church, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And why does Paul say this? What is he uh, trying to get at? I think it's important for us to consider for a moment what is uh, happening in terms of uh, the, the whole passage of Scripture, this whole letter. Paul is basically writing uh, to uh, the Corinthian church because there have been accusations that came against him. Uh, and if you read through the subtext, you know, he's defending his apostleship, defending the ministry which God has called him to. And he's been facing not just personal opposition, but intense criticism. In fact, if you read chapter 2, verse 5, we'll look at it later. Uh, it, it clearly points to someone who is uh, attacking him. But not only that, he points out, you know, all the opposition he faces is not just... Uh, in terms of um, mental or emotional, but also even physical. And he alludes to it when he says that our inner self is being, uh, our outer self is wasting away, he says. Though our outer self is wasting away. The NIV says, although we are outwardly wasting away. 
And um, the uh, New Living Translation says, our bodies are dying. You know, I think that's why the pandemic actually uh, worries us. Because it uh, threatens our physical uh, well-being. It threatens our lives. And even if we don't get, uh, or if we uh, recover from COVID, you know, there are now um, some credible evidence that there seems to be long-term effects as well for those who have gotten COVID. And it remains to be seen what the effects will be years from now. I mean, that's why the Singapore government has been so keen to make sure that people get vaccinated. I know there's lots of information out there. And even this morning, I got something through a WhatsApp chat about uh, the vaccinations. And I think we need to be cautious about spreading stuff like that. I think it's important that we do get vaccinated. You know, the government's been so keen. They even uh, <laughs> started this campaign, right? Pachukang is pushing it and he's made a return. And it's actually garnered uh, worldwide uh, interest by news, um, 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 you know, his, his video, you know, Singapore, don't wait and see, right? Get your shot and, uh, and uh, you know, better, uh, um, um, you know, go ahead and get vaccinated. And I think it's, it's uh, 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 part of the fact that our outer self is wasting away, that we find ourselves in the situation where it but Paul alludes to other issues that we often face because he goes on to say in verse 17, you know, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Light and momentary troubles. I like how he says it. it, it he like, seems to downplay it. But even in this chapter earlier, he points out you know, how uh, uh, the realities he's been facing we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed and uh, right at the beginning of the chapter he says uh, or this book he says we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experience in the province of asia we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Now that sounds to me more than just light and momentary troubles. <laughs> right? The situation is so dire that he despaired of life itself. You know, it, it, the situation was so bad, he's saying, kill me, kill me now, Lord. <laughs> you know, I'd rather die than go through what is happening in my life. And yet, he points out, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. And I'm come back and circle back to this later. But we know that he faced intense persecution, intense criticism. It's, it's quite clear because of the way he defends himself and he talks about his credentials. He talks about uh, what God has called him to. And, you know, if I want to use the colloquial um, uh, a, a metaphor or something akin to what we face today, Maybe, you know, what he was facing is someone who was trying to cancel him, if you know what <laughs> I mean. Uh, we live in an uh, um, era where, you know, people now use this term woke in quite a different way. Uh, meaning that, um, you know, uh, if you're woke, you are aware of the ways in which people are badly treated. How people have been disenfranchised and, and downtrodden. And in many ways, this uh, problem of wokeness is this. It, it, woke... Being woke is not bad in and of itself. 
You know, it's important that we, we see that this current movement has a lot of benefits. It's, it's bringing to the forefront the issues of uh, um, uh, racial inequalities, that uh, there is a sense in which, uh, if we're not careful, the majority dominate the minority. It's an awareness of how these hidden minorities are often disenfranchised. And the Bible is very clear uh, that uh, justice is biblical. Right? Let justice roll like a river, like waters uh, rolling down. Amos talks about. And, you know, um, Micah 6 8 says, You know what? Uh, he has said to you, O man, what does the Lord require of you? But to do good and to be just and to, you know, uh, pursue uh, righteousness in all our dealings, in all the ways in which we uh, help people, to love people to value the dignity of the individual. And so this movement is good because it's brought uh, about a real sense of awareness of these inequalities in society. And we need to be uh, mindful of that. But at the same time, it's problematic on several levels. It's problematic because it, uh, you know, there's a sense of certainty that people who, who are woke have uh, where everything seems to be black and white and there's nothing in between. And, you know, there's no room for discourse, no room for discussing the matter. It's like, if you don't conform to my idea of what is right and what is wrong, I don't even want to talk to you. And, you know, that in, in, in that attitude, we can never find uh, a way in which people move past the impasse. And you, you end up being, you know, entrenched in your own positions. There's a problem uh, uh, with the wokeness because, you know, they, I think in some ways... Um, magnify simplicity. Now, there's nothing wrong with being simple in the way we do things. You know, sometimes complexity is not uh, helpful. But this simplicity is, is, is where, you know, uh, for example, the idea seems to be that only majority races are racist, that minorities cannot be racist as well, where men are the ones who are sexist. It's not uh, found in the uh, opposite uh, um, 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 population, the other half of the population. And uh, it's, to me, it seems like it, it, it smacks of what happened in Genesis 3. <laughs> right? When God confronted Adam and Eve and asked them, Why are you hiding? What was the reply? Adam blamed the woman, God, you gave me. She is the one who misled me. And asked the woman, What about Eve? You know, what about you? said, oh, it's that serpent, that serpent, <laughs> you know, put the blame on someone else. It's never my fault. It's always someone else's fault. And the reality is, you know, we know in, in, in truth, all have sinned and fall short. All of us are susceptible to racism. All of us are susceptible to sexism. All of us are susceptible to prejudice and, and discriminating uh, unhealthily against someone who is different from us. And, you know, to try and simplify it as if there is good and bad and, you know, that uh, there are people who are exempted from being criticized is problematic. And ultimately, it's problematic in terms of its activity as well. That it's so often fueled by anger. You know, how often do these um, um, situations end up with people trying to shut the opposition down? Of not shouting them down, you try and shut them down, shut down your opponents. That's where cancel culture uh, arises. 
To be honest, there are times in which I find myself uh, hesitant to speak out, especially in the platform that I have. Not trying to, uh, trying to self-censor at times and, and you know, forgetting that I also have a prophetic responsibility of calling situations out. And it's ironic, I think, you know, very often in, in these cases, in the name of tolerance, they become intolerant, or we become intolerant to other people's views. But that's sort of uh, taking things aside, you know. The reality is this, as Christians, we are not exempt from these problems. I see this whole thing as part of human nature where there is a moralistic attempt to enforce the law, especially the letter of the law. And Paul pointed it out earlier in this uh, book. He points out, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. When we try and force, enforce morality in our own way, with our own wisdom, in our own sense of what is right and what is wrong, we often end up in this uh, uh, place where later on he says he calls it the ministry of condemnation. But if you read into this passage, Paul instead calls us to a ministry of reconciliation. So as our outer self is wasting away, we do not lose heart because he points out our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our inner self is being renewed day by day and that the Spirit gives life. Right? That's this uh, passage in Second uh, Corinthians three seventeen and 18. It goes on, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all we with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the grace of God in operation. That despite the fact that we are wasting away, physically our bodies are breaking down, but you know, um, societally, we see relationships and the way uh, civil discourse has, has taken this you know, weird turn. Uh, uh, society seems to be breaking down, but God is at work in us and through us. How do we know that God's at work in our lives? I think it's how we respond graciously to perceived threats and attacks. Let's look at this passage. Remember, I alluded to the fact in chapter 2, uh, there is a person who seems to be attacking Paul. And this is where he, he points to it, this criticism. Uh, he says in chapter 2, verse 5, Now if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely to all of you as well. Right? The attack against Paul is also an attack against the entire body of Christ. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. Listen to this. This is a person who is intensely attacking Paul. Some believe if it's a person referred to in um, the first letter to the Corinthians where he was um, 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 engaged in sexual immorality, sleeping with his stepmother, right? And, and the, the, uh, a number of scholars believe that's who he's pointing to. But he points out, he says this, So ra you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow, so I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant 
of his designs. I mean, it blows you away. <laughs> this is his opponent and he has this magnanimous uh, uh, desire to restore this person. And he sees how the uh, work of Satan is to divide and conquer, to steal and kill and destroy the relationships that are in the body of Christ. That yes, correction is important, but what's more important is that you win this brother or this sister over. And the, the way Paul responded to be so gracious to a per person who threatened him to ask that, you know, let's restore him uh, to right fellowship, not only with God, but also with each of us. I think it's, it's a wonderful example for us to, to look to. But if we are honest <laughs> and we are truthful, I think we all fail miserably. Well, maybe not you. I know I fail. Right? Whenever I'm attacked or people criticize, I want to hit back. I want to justify myself. You know, I want to twist the knife into proverbially, nah, not <laughs> physically. But I, I, I want to make sure that they hurt more than I hurt. And that tells me that, you know, I struggle with understanding the grace of God in my own life because I can't respond graciously. But this is where we do not lose heart. Uh, chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, we go back to the passage. He says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into His presence. That God who raises the dead, right? That's the point I uh, pointed to at the beginning. That all these things we have received, you know, we felt we have received the sentence of that. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. That the God whom we worship, the God whom we give our lives to, the God to whom we cling, He's in the business of speaking life into dead souls. Speaking life into dead relationships. Speaking life into uh, dead circumstances. He renews our beings. He transforms our character. But the crux of the matter is this. Are we ready to lay down our lives, to die to certain things? There are many things which discourage us. Maybe certain relationships we find ourselves in. Maybe the Lord is saying, lay it down. Surrender. Don't try and fight what is happening. Allow it to take its course and let it die, but trust that God who raises the dead can raise it back to life again. Maybe your business is on the brink and you are just clinging on by your fingernails. God is saying to you, lay it down. Put your trust in me, not in your own efforts, in your own abilities. And I could go on and on and on about whatever circumstance you're facing, but I think you know better than I. What is the Lord saying to you? 
we go back to verse 16, and I like to use different translations often to bring out the, the essence, which is the verse we've been focusing on. The New Living Translation says, This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Don't lose heart. Never give up. You know, we have entered into, in the church calendar, the season called Ordinary Season. And if we were a very liturgical church, you would see banners and our, um, uh, our communion table decorated with the color green. And green is the, uh, if I were wearing my um, um, vestments, I would be wearing a green stole uh, to recognize the season. It's a, it's a, it's a color of growth. And it's called ordinary because, you know, it's not uh, um, centered around any particular uh, portion of the life of Christ. But the fact that, you know, so much of life is ordinary. It's between the times, between Christ's first coming and his second coming. And, and we live in those times and it's in the ordinary things of life that we ultimately grow. That's what Paul meant when he says, you know, these light momentary afflictions are preparing for us position of glory, preparing us for what is to come. The other day I was listening to uh, a popular song uh, in the car and there was a line which I think, you know, captures it well. It says, because life is not uh, the mountaintops, it's the walking in between. <laughs> right? We often live from mountaintop to mountaintop, but so much of life is just walking in between those mountaintops and oftentimes maybe even in the valley. And I believe it's in those things that God is causing us to grow. And that's where this passage uh, takes us. He points out in verse 18, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Don't let the things that you see around you, the circumstances that you face, rob you of your joy, discourage you, cause you to lose heart. But look to the unseen, the spiritual reality of who God is and what He has done. And we see that on the cross. The cross reminds us of a God who is for us, who can turn evil situations into good. What was meant for evil, God intends for good. And we put our faith and our trust in this God. That though we are wasting outwardly every day, inwardly let us be renewed. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word which comes, I think, at such an appropriate time for us. Thank you, Lord, that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, both metaphorically and in some cases, Lord, even literally, we will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff is there, it comforts us, it guides us. 
that surely your goodness and your mercy pursues us all the days of our life. And we want to dwell in your presence forever. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to be strong and of good courage, to not be afraid, but to trust that you lead us and you direct us, our steps and our pathways. That as we step forward into this uh, new world affected by COVID and the fact that we've been reminded that COVID will remain endemic in society for years to come, Lord, help us to face it with courage. Not because we know how to do it, not because our government will lead us wisely, but because, Lord, you go before us and you prepare a way for us. Help us to put our faith and our trust in you and you alone. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you <laughs> for joining us. I'm going to turn the time over to... Uh,